Reflex. What's that smell? Uh, gag Reflex. Vintage Tunnels from Hell. Gag Reflex. What's that smell? So this is where I will be. I'm right on top of it. I'm also elevated. you're right on top of it. Yeah, that's what she said. <laughs> that's yeah, all right. I just needed to use the cheap mic this whole time. Sometimes cheap is best, and that's also what she said. <laughs> I have a really good friend who said the most wonderful thing about her po- about our podcast. Really? Yeah. She goes, "Your podcast is my favorite <laughs> genre. Ladies cackling." <laughs> that is a hundred percent our genre. That's our genre. True. Listener, welcome. welcome. Today we would like to bring you a uh, very special gag reflex. It's Namo. The cookbook that started it all. I mean, at least for this one podcast. cookbook to rule them all. That's correct. It didn't start my obsession, but it started this podcast. All right, hold on. I'm gonna do a drum roll. Stand by. The Jill St. John cookbook. From, Jesus Christ, every single time I forget to look up the date beforehand. 1987. Nice. So, I just want to note for the record, like 1987, food was already starting to get like a little better in that people started recognizing that you shouldn't just, not that you shouldn't, but that <laughs> That there were options beyond just opening cans and boxes of things. Right. right. Starting, starting. There's still some devastating cookbook and cooks cookbooks in the eighties. I mean, we could and call this beyond the jello mold. I have to say though, that this cookbook, the recipes aren't that gross. That's the thing. Mm. It's the presentation of the recipes is so arrogant and so like filled with hubris Mm -hmm. that and and the really what is everything in this cookbook and so I hope we're going to be able to do it justice in podcast format is the photos so we're just I'm just going to have to describe what's happening in these photos because Jill St. John in every (laughs) single one of these expertly crafted sometimes horrifying recipes is just quaffed and powdered and somehow still looks like she just finished crying. She... It's, it's amazing. It's well, amazing. She's... And the outfits are incredible. The outfits she... are Blanche in the Golden Girls plus neon colors all the time. <laughs> so you're going to tell us all about Jill St. John. I knew nothing about this woman before we started. I didn't either. To be honest with you, I picked up this cookbook. I didn't even pick it out. We were at Goodwill, and Greg knows enough to, like, roam the racks and, like, look for horrifying cookbooks for me. Right. And he grabbed this cookbook off the shelf. It was, like, $1.75 and hands it to me. He's like, this one looks funny. It's really interesting because, actually, it is one of the first celebrity cookbooks. Because before... The whole idea of celebrity chefs didn't really exist in the 80s. I mean, of course, you had Julia Child and all these people and the Frug, 
Remember Jeff Smith, right. the Frugal Gourmet, right. um, and all of those television personalities? She Absolutely on PBS. I, too, love the Frug. I think he Wasn't also, he however. Yeah. Some, like, maybe for child. sexual, yeah, sex yeah. ring or uh, alleged, alleged. I don't know. Um, we can Google it later, but yeah, I, I think have known when he made that strawberry omelet. That's just wrong. Oh my god! What? What yeah. fresh hell is that? I've never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, I remember being like seven or eight years old and watching the Frugal Gourmet, and, and you were uh, horrified then. <laughs> well, he was making omelets, and like one was cheese and mushroom. And one was apple cinnamon and one was Ooh. strawberry. He like made, you know, he made this. He was like, look, you can use the same omelet mix. You can just make these three different fillings. And I, I was like that. This was my first moment of that. That doesn't go there. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how eggs work. Like you don't put that in eggs. All right. I mean, to be fair, no. you can make it. It sounds like a cake. Yes. That's egg heavy. You can make a lot of things. That doesn't make you sh- mean you should make an apple cinnamon omelet. Right. And thus began the famous phrase, you can't make an omelet without husking a few strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me tell you a little bit about our friend Jill. Okay, I'm ready. Jill Arlen Oppenheim was born in Los Angeles, California on August 19th, 1940. Her oh, father, very Jewish that night, real Jewish. She changed real... to Saint John eventually. Yeah, stand by. Um, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, get ready. Buckle up, sis. Her father, Edward Oppenheim, was a restaurateur, and her mother, Betty Goldberg Oppenheim, wanting what? a career, yes, girl, decided to become a stage mother to young Jill. Jill began radio acting at the tender age of five and in the late 1940s became a regular on the marathon soap opera One Man's Family. At nine years old, Jill made her screen... It's a terrible soap opera. I'm just (laughs) throwing it out there. It's not... Did you used to watch... um, Did you ever watch any any stories? I never never did. I tried Mm -hmm. to get into one or two of them like when Mm -hmm. I was homesick. Mm-hmm. Right. As a kid. But then like there were so many like there was so much fucking going on already. I couldn't keep anything straight. When I was seven, I started watching one. It was like the first time it came on or something like that. It was like the very first episode, Santa Barbara. Oh, yeah. Right. And I thought it was fast. I watched it for maybe a year. I mean, you can't really because I had school. But when I was homesick, you know, you would catch up. Um, or maybe it started during the summer. I don't even remember how it happened. I kind of got into it. What's really cool is that it was the screen debut, the small screen debut, and actually the, I guess, acting debut for uh, Princess Buttercup. Oh, uh, Robin. Robin Wright. Right. Who turned out to be such activist. a fucking ball buster, and I love her. I love her, and she's, you know, she's an incredible activist. Oh, I didn't know that. does really amazing, important work for Congo, and, like, quietly and intelligently does work for Congo. I fucking love her. I love her. She started as, I want to say, Kelly something on on Santa Barbara, and I have followed her since then. God damn, I love her. 
I must have been younger than seven. Anyway, spectacular woman, spectacular actress. Yeah. All right, here we go. Okay, Jill. Jill, at nine years old, Jill made her screen debut in the first full-length made-for-TV movie. (laughs) You know it's bad when she starts from jump at a TV movie. The first TV movie. Right. It It was a Christmas carol. Oh, okay. Um, and that was followed up by an appearance in the show Sandy Dreams in that same year, 1949. San- is this a beach thing, Sandy Dreams? I can only assume. Let's hope, because otherwise... It's, <laughs> it's the poor man Santa Barbara. It's the proto-Santa Barbara. Um, okay. At 1951, at age 11, her mother began the process of deidification, as I call it. Changing <laughs> Jill's last name to the more goyish-sounding St. John. Ugh. And Jill took her her Gross, sparkly Mom. new, yes, her martini gin-soaked name and appeared in two episodes of the George Burns and Gracie Allen show. And then she also had a small film, uh, so, blah, 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 blah. and she also had a small role in the film Thunder in the East. That sounds super racist, by the way. I didn't go yeah. into it, but yeah. It must. Right. <laughs> and she was in episodes of Sky King, Fireside Theater, and Cavalcade of America. Cavalcade of America? Cavalcade of America. What the fuck is a... Listen, honey, I started researching this at 6 a.m. Magnus had both... It was for him coming out of both ends. I think he has some sort of food poisoning. So I was sitting in the bathroom on my computer at 7 a.m. researching. So you get what you get and you don't get upset. You got it. All right. Along with being an accomplished actress, by the age of 11, St. John was also a member of the Children's Ballet Company with such actresses as Stephanie Powers and uh, may she rest in peace, Natalie Wood, with whom she would share a husband, by the way. Now, okay, so this is fascinating. She was a full time actor, so she didn't attend traditional school but she attended the Hollywood Professional School for Actors and received her high school diploma at the age of 14. Wow. Yeah, and then enrolled at UCLA's Extension School. But she then dropped out two years later due to professional commitments. It was widely known that St. John was a genius, and she was, ex- she was assessed by experts as having an IQ of over 162. Holy shit, Jill. Where the fuck did that come from, Jill? I don't know. And why'd you waste it on Hollywood? Why? Well, she, yeah. Could have cured cancer. Yeah, she didn't want to waste it on Hollywood. I think her mom kind of pushed her into this. Yeah, this was a Gypsy, a Gypsy Rose Lee kind of situation. In May 1957, at the age of 16, Universal Pictures signed Jill to a seven-year contract starting at $200 a week, which is basically, it's roughly $1,800 a week in 2019 money, which is still, I mean, that's fine, but not great. You're a fucking starlet. Um, And as a congratulations gift to her daughter for her achievements, Betty got Jill the ultimate graduation gift. A uh, nose job. Yes, she completed the full shiksification de-yidified oh, <laughs> here you go man. yep there you go that the full package the full monty uh jill had always wanted to be a comedian her idol was comic actress Kay kendall but because she was you know 
so hot. And now with her new and improved Shixon button nose, she was basically only cast in sexy roles. You know, as a 16-year-old would. Yeah, that seems right. Um, Her major, yeah, that sounds absolutely appropriate. (laughs) Uh, Her major studio film debut was in Summer Love in 1958. She also appeared on TV in episodes of The Christopher's the Schlitz Playhouse. The sh- Ooh, no. And the DuPont Show of the Month. I don't know what any of I, these are, but I here don't we know are. What that is. That's fine. Okay. Uh, May 12th, 1957. How old is she? I forgot when she was born. She's 16. Okay. She marries Neil Dubin. <laughs> what? Yeah, in a hasty elopement in Yuna, Arizona. Uh, Dubin was heir to a linen fortune. Yeah, well done, Jill. Uh-huh. St. John later complained that he harassed and ridiculed her, and they thankfully divorced a year later on July 3rd, 1958. Good. In 1959, 20th Century Fox stole her away from Universal and tried to turn her into a star. And within three years, she played the daughter of Clifton Webb in a movie, The Remarkable Mr. Pennypacker. <laughs> All right. And she was also in a, show, in a movie called Holiday for Lovers. Then she was later put in an adventure movie called The Lost World in 1960. And she's oh, that, quoted as saying... I actually feel like I may have seen. Oh, really? Maybe. I've definitely heard of it. Yeah. We'll look it she, up later. Yeah, she said, nothing but starlet parts. You know, the daughter, the niece, the girlfriend. That's what she said she was getting. And Fox picked up their option on her. Warner Brothers borrowed her for The Roman Spring of Mrs. Stone in 1961. And then she had a supporting part in Tender as the Night, which is a movie I've heard of. Yes. In the middle of all the success, St. John married her second husband, Lanth Reventlow, on March 24th, 1960. So she was 20 at this point, or 19. Uh, Reventlow was the son of Barbara Hutton, heir to the Woolworth fortune. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And though they were married for only three years... St. John received a settlement of $86,000, which is the equivalent to $710,000 in today's money. So what we know about Jill so far is that she complains about only getting starlet roles, but then in her life acts like a complete and total fucking starlet. I I mean, we might have hated her because she feels in a way, she's like, oh, I just want to be funny. I can't help it. I keep, you know, I'm just too gorgeous to get to play the funny dumpy kids. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself, Jill. Anyway. I'm feeling very good. You're no Robin Wright. I know Robin Wright. And you're no Robin Wright. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so anyway, Reventlow died in a plane crash in 1972, about, I guess, nine years after they were divorced. And even though they were divorced, uh, St. John did and still does refer to Reventlow as my late husband in interviews. I mean, it sounds dramatic. Why wouldn't she? It sounds dramatic. And like, she's, yeah, she's, she, a, she's a historical revisionist. So she now like, considers herself a, a widow. She's a 16-year-old with a dead husband, whatever. Well, now she's 20 with a dead husband. But yeah, at that point, she was 30. It doesn't matter. Back to her career. Having received some recognition for all of these roles, she was finally being cast in comedies. She had a key role in 1963's Come Blow Your Horn, where she starred opposite Frank Sinatra and had a fucking, as every single woman who even stared at Frank Sinatra for a hot minute. 
had an, had a, had an affair with him. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I so I so Affairs very with much. Frank Sinatra are like chabad. They are everywhere. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Would you like have to you come had, and say this prayer? Have you had, <laughs> have you had a chance to have a, an affair with Frank Sinatra? <laughs> Just, um, just put this penis right in here. You know, you and say this <laughs> and say this bracha. Um, oh my god, I, I so I'm really holding myself back from going into my whole Ronan Farrow soliloquy. Don't do it. Fucking, uh, I swear to God, every three months, I pull up on the internet a picture of Ronan Farrow and Frank Sinatra and show it to Boo. I feel like usually we're in the car when this happens. And I'm like, how to God's earth does anyone think that he is that nebbishy man, Woody Allen's son? No one thinks it. Everybody thinks it's, yeah. God, he's so good looking, that Ronan Farrow. (laughs) Oh my God. Such a good boy. With his beautiful elfin features. I know. Jesus, he's truly. A you want to, ta- yeah. You want to talk about a goyish nose right there, Ugh. and and a mensch. Can I say the work that he's doing now? God damn. Anyway, Ronan Farrow, you're welcome on the podcast any day or time. We would welcome you. All right. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I I always get swept away when it comes to Ronan Farrow. Where are we? What's happening? Uh, Frank Sinatra, Jill, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. had a late husband. Yeah. She received a Golden Globe Award nomination as Best Actress, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy for her performance in Come Blow Your, Fo- Come Blow Your Horn. <laughs> Come blow I was really, I was about to say Come Blow Your Frank, but I didn't, I honestly, that really was a Freudian situation. Sorry about that. I mean, that. we agree that Come Blow Your, blow your Horn is just this shade away from Come Blow Your Frank. Porn, right? <laughs> I definitely thought that was porn. She followed this with a series of comedies. Who's minding the store with Jerry Lewis? Who's been sleeping in my bed <laughs> with mm, Dean Martin yeah, and Honeymoon Hotel with Frank Robert Sinatra. Moore. It was absolutely cool. Frank Sinatra. It was Frank Sinatra sleeping in your bed. That's God damn. Him. Who's Frank Sinatra's bed? Who's not sleeping in Frank Sinatra's bed? That's that would be a better question. game to play. That's a better question. Yes. And a smaller pool of people, frankly. Correct. It's much easier she, game to win. But doing, doing all these comedies was like exactly what she wanted to do. She goes, now I play the sexy comedian, which is my forte, she said in 1964. <clears throat> Comedy is what I've always wanted to do. In the mid-60s, she guest starred on several shows like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, The Rogues, Theater of Stars, and a ton of Bob Hope's shows and specials. You want to talk about a motherfucker who likes some pretty arm candy? That's a Bob Hope right there. Um, If this were today, she'd basically like be all up in the business of Law and Order and CSI. She would just be, you know, bopping around from specials to special. Right. Um, in all of these procedurals. St. John appeared in the first and second episodes of the television series Batman in 1966 as the Riddler's mole, Molly. In 1966, that same year that she was in Batman, she said her goal was to be at a point where I have proved myself as an actress that I can be more discriminating in the roles I choose. I want to be able to choose the parts I know I can do next. In the next few years, then she went on to do a a few more films with... 
Frank Sinatra. Yeah, and in 1967, St. John had a supporting role in the Universal film How I Spent My Summer Vacation, which looks, that looks like a fascinating movie, by the way. It's like a thriller. Yeah. Um, But it was also important in, like, the Jill St. John timeline, because that's where she met her fourth husband, Robert Wagner. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. The, ironically, though, in 1967, that was also the year that she married her third husband, Jack Jones. The marriage lasted for literally a year and a half, and Jones said that demands on his singing career and the traveling involved contributed to the breakup. So wait, how many times has she married? She's been married a total of four times. She's 27, and she's already on her third marriage. All right. <laughs> Do you know who she rebounded well with? Well Jill. I know. Sinatra? Exactly. No. What? Who? This is literally the worst rebound I can think of, but she dated Henry Kissinger. Oh, no. Jill. That's such a fucking weird choice. Jill, first of all. You are fucking, you are a genius. You are hot. You have got a scientifically created sculpted nose. Why Henry Kissinger? I know. Then you go full, first of all. Your mom would be horrified that you just went right back to the Jews. To after go from fucking that, Frank Sinatra. All of, after all of that work and money. And then <laughs> second of all, to go to Henry Kissinger, one of the most evil men on this planet. No. No, you're right. Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. God damn, Jill. What are you doing? Jill. Your life choices. Not great. But it's interesting that I you love say the that. Idea. Yeah. I love the idea of Henry Kissinger as a rebound. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, this is he, sort of like. He she... was probably so mad. <laughs> Listen. I wonder who he bombed when he got dumped. Who can say? I mean, who can know? There were so many options at that point. The architect of Vietnam, thank you very much. Yes. Oh, God, the architect of the Vietnam War dating he was... that Shiksa incarnate Jill St. John. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, I feel, where would they have met? I mean, what kind of cocktail party was it? I don't know, man. The <laughs> weird thing is imagining Henry Kissinger with, like, a life, you know? Right, he dated. I and mean, was he married? He must have been. He must, I don't know. But it's interesting that we bring up Dr. Evil because... She bounced the fuck back in a big way. So her most famous role, and I don't know if you know this. I do not. Okay. Her most famous role was as Tiffany Case, the Bond girl in the James Bond film Diamonds Are Forever, 1971. Ah. Mm -hmm, Where she starred and had an affair with... Of course. Sean Connery. Um, (laughs) She was not only the... Listen, yeah. Everyone wants to have done that. Oh, everyone. Absolutely. Every straight woman is like, mm-hmm. And maybe even a few of the lesbians were all like, yep. Oh, yeah. You. What's that movie, Zardosh? Have you, did you see him in the red thong? I did not. Oh, my God. You got to see that movie. It is weird as hell. But it, it features him. It features Sean Connery with a long braided ponytail wearing a red thong. Oh, that actually sounds kind of upsetting. It's <laughs> 
<laughs> the entire thing is I'm upsetting. Not into any of those things. There are many layers of bizarre and things that you cannot unsee. But yeah, I just, you know, if I had to witness it, I feel like I need to bring you into it as well. Um, I can't be alone in this. Anyway, she was not only the first American to play a Bond girl, but I'm pretty sure the only Jewess to play a Bond girl. Huh. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Yeah. However, as Halle Berry can attest, once you become a Bond girl, you're like dead in the water in terms of Hollywood and can never come back. But Jill didn't give a single solitary fuck because she was done with Hollywood. In 1972, St. John moved to Aspen, Colorado, where she focused on her other passion. Here we go. Cooking. Cooking. That's yes, ma'am. Cookbook. Yes, ma'am. She eventually developed her interest into cooking um, and became a culinary personality appearing in monthly cooking <laughs> segments on Good Morning America. Yes. She also had a column in USA Weekend magazine, like well through the 1980s. And this culminated in authoring one of the first celebrity cookbooks, madam. Yes. The Jill St. John Cookbook in 1987. It was healthy, but not health food, collection of recipes, and some anecdotes. St. John also developed a handmade Angora sweater business and became interested in orchid growing, skiing, hiking, river... This is literally a list of the most non-Jewish things in the world. Yes, it is absolutely... I never would have guessed that she was Jewish from this cookbook. No, absolutely. From anything, from the way that she looks... From that sculpted nose. I mean, it's amazing. Anyway, in 1987, she said, I'm a mountain gal now. I love the outdoors. I love harvesting and using fresh vegetables and herbs. Jill was doing the whole farm to table thing before it was a thing. And she touted that idea highly in all of her TV appearances. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even though she was fully committed to this Colorado lifestyle, she did dip her toe in some more TV movies and she was on the love boat, Magnum I mean, PI, Fantasy to, Island. Yeah. She still had to pay the bills. She did. She <laughs> one might have named her it? yes. She was uh free. Jill Paycheck St. John. Um <laughs> in nineteen eighty two she was top billed in the feature Concrete Jungle, a film about a woman in prison. Right. Mm-hmm. In 1989, she was reunited with her former co-star and number one suspect in the Natalie Wood murder, Robert Wagner. Yes. And she marries him again, doesn't she? No, no, no. She she wasn't married to him before. She oh, just she, was like, just I, they were always there. friends. I mean, who knows? They were probably friends with benefits. Uh, they were in the film Around the World in 80 Days Together. And here we go. On May 26, 1990, St. John married her co-star. And they've been together to this day. Wait, one of her other anniversaries was May 24th. What does she like about May weddings? Who doesn't like a May wedding? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful time of year. Yeah, I got married in May. Yeah, so 1990. So she was 50. Right. Is that right? 50 on her third marriage. Nineteen four. She was born in 1940. <clears throat> it's yeah, 1990. So. She was 50. 50. Good for her. 50 on her fourth marriage. They made brief cameo appearances together as themselves in Robert Altman's Hollywood satire, The Player, in 1992. In 1996, they starred together. Me too. Uh, 1996, they starred together on stage in Love Letters. In 1997, they appeared together at the end of the Yada Yada episode in Seinfeld. All right. I have no memory of that. I have no memory of that either. But in 2014, St. John played Mrs. Claus 
in the made it all comes full circle Oh, made-for-TV movie. Mm-hmm. The made-for-TV movie, North Pole, alongside Wagner, who played the part of Santa Claus. The film marked her first acting role after a 12-year absence from the screen. She went back to Colorado and is, like, rolling in her millions and her penne with vodka sauce since then. And that is the story of our fair maiden, Jill St. John. Oh, Jill. I feel very proud of myself also because every time I saw... Robert Wagner's name. I had two right. thoughts. First of all, I wanted to call him Robert Wagner. Yes. Because of my opera background. But also, I thought killer of Natalie Wood. Yeah. Right. So here is where our podcast really does become true crime. Oh my God, it's so true. For real. All right, now wait a second. Nama, I, I feel like because I'm so vested in this whole story now of what's happening with with our poor friend Jill St. John, you know, and her trying to create a lifestyle book, one of the very first lifestyle books, I need to go into the death of Natalie Wood so that we can understand, okay? okay? okay. And I okay. just pulled this up. This is a, I'm straight up just reading from Wikipedia here. Do it. Okay. During the making of the film Brainstorm, Natalie Wood, she was a famous actress. She's got a star on the, you know, Hollywood Walk of Fame, blah, 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 blah. She was in West Side Story, right? She played Maria. Wood drowned at age 43 while on a weekend boat trip to Catalina Island on board Robert Wagner's yacht Splendor. They were married at the time. Um, And they had two or three kids, I think. Many of the circumstances surrounding her drowning are unknown. It was never determined how she entered the water. She was with her husband, Robert Wagner, Brainstorm co-star Christopher Walken, and Splendor's captain, Dennis Davern, on the evening of November 28, 1981. Her body was recovered by authorities at 8 a.m. on November 29th, one mile away from the boat. According to Wagner, he went to bed and Wood was not there. The autopsy report revealed that Wood had bruises on her body and arms as well as an abrasion on her left cheek later in his memoir pieces of my heart wagner acknowledged that he had had an argument with wood before she disappeared the autopsy found that her blood alcohol content was was 0.14 the upper limit for driving a car legally was 0.10 percent in california at the time and there were traces of two types of medication in her bloodstream a motion sickness pill and a painkiller, both of which increase the effects of alcohol. Wow. Uh-huh. Following the investigation, they ruled the, her death an accident by drowning in hypothermia. She'd been drinking and may have slipped. Her sister, Lana, voiced doubts as Wood could not swim and had been terrified of water all of her life and thus, according to her, would never have left the yacht by her own. Two That's witnesses... Right on a boat nearby, stated they heard a woman scream for help during the night. That man killed her. He killed her. I mean, allegedly. Allegedly. Please don't sue us, Robert Wagner. You're 125 years old, and we have zero money. Zero dollars. I killed your wife, allegedly. (laughs) Well, Jill, thank you for your 162 IQ and for your love of cooking, because this truly is... The cookbook that launched a thousand nightmares. (laughs) And I need to give some credit in this cookbook to the photographer, David Marlowe. Oh. And the food styler, Peter Mm. O'Grady. Because really, the photos are everything. Everything. And... Does she have a foreword? 
she let me see she has acknowledgments okay which oh i 100 percent didn't read oh oh yes there is an introduction mm-hmm. could you give us just uh, a small taste of it yes i'm just gonna read this to you i'm not a trained cook i'm just a person who loves to cook I've cooked most of my life, but so have a lot of us. I started cooking when I was eight years old. This is not surprising, since I had already started acting by the age of four. This part, and also to cover up the pain. I bet you that she wasn't allowed to eat any of it also. Oh, here we go. Just as actors are not the only facet of acting, cooking is not just about food. What you cook for people can show how you feel about them and yourself. It's not just the time and effort spent preparing your meals that counts. What counts most is preparing healthful, balanced, and of course, delicious meals. Hmm. And here comes my favorite line. Some of these recipes can be made in 20 to 30 minutes. A few are all day extravaganzas. <laughs> Some contain no salt or fat, and don't forget that salt may be deleted from any of my re- recipes. <laughs> Don't this, forget, similar to taste, salt can be deleted from any is recipe. like, fuck you, Jill. No, you are not a cook. Like, <laughs> how dare you? Like, I get low salt things and no salt things for people that have high blood pressure and all of that stuff. I get it. 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 However, but this is the 1980s. You just told me when everybody, about- yeah. You just first of all, you've just told me about how you have to prepare delicious food for people because you always need a reason for them to love you, which I think is the root of her. And second, this was the 1980s where there were 700 salt substitutes on the market. Like there was no reason for this. This is the this is the age of the Mrs. Dash, is it not? It is. Oh, God. Okay, so don't forget that salt may be deleted from any of my recipes. However, not all of them are so pure. After all, I'm only human. Oh, God, Jill. You slay. You slay, Jill. She's part robot. There's a lot of, like, grow fresh herbs, and here's where you should keep them. Right. Um, here's what I keep in my pantry. I try to keep certain must-haves always in my kitchen. Butter, olive oil, onions, garlic, tomatoes, a lemon, some just one. (laughs) Just the one. Cheese, parentheses, any cheese. Parsley, a few fresh herbs. I grow my own in pots. Some leftover wine, rice, pasta, and noodles. With what's the difference between pasta and whatever? Pasta is spaghetti. Noodles is are flat. Oh, okay. With these essentials, plus a piece of fish, fowl, or meat, Ooh. and a fresh vegetable or salad, you can create a feast. She literally, she was like, I like to keep a few things, like every ingredient in existence. And with just a few of these, you can make, yes, obviously you can make a feast. You basically mentioned everything but a fucking decorative gourd, Jill. Okay, so here she is the anti-Marie Kondo. Ah, If you want your kitchen to be most economical, budget and time-wise, I recommend never throwing anything away. (gasps) I'm not talking about leftovers. We all know about them, and I'll share with you some of my favorite leftover magic. Ooh, I can't wait. For example, here's what to do with those dried herbs you've had on the shelf for longer than you care to mention. 
Toss a liberal teaspoonful of five or six of these dead herbs into a large pot of boiling water. Mm-hmm. Now add garlic, oil, and vinegar, and boil artichokes in the aromatic water. Those herbs, not aromatic anymore, by the way. <laughs> it's just dust at this point. I mean, you've this is dusty garlic o- onion water. Like, there's no... <laughs> There was no reason to put those in there. It's just like the bay leaf. Anytime a dish is served, there's like a fucking sharp ass piece of holly in the, my fucking it's, bowl. Every time. Every time. Okay. It's like so, it's like a shitty king cake. Okay, now add garlic oil and vinegar and boil artichokes in the aromatic water. Delicious. And because of the oil, the artichokes can be served without butter or mayonnaise. Why? Why do that? Why give them any more flavor than one need? Why? What I'm really talking about, though, are the bones and carcasses from cooked or uncooked meats, fish and fowl. And when you peel your veggies, save the peelings, tops and stems. They are great for the compost pile, but a whole lot better and a lot more immediately rewarding combined with those bones to make the basis for a fabulous steaming bowl of soup. Which, like, why are you... This is not news. At least you didn't call it bone broth. Oh my god, that's true. Above all, experiment. And this is where I would like to be like, nope, because there's definitely some rum raisin ham in here, and she should not be experimenting. <gasps> Ooh, I can't wait till we get to it. I love to cook as I love to eat, lies. In fact, <laughs> I don't completely trust people who don't like to eat. That She and I share that. I agree, yeah. So maybe we've misjudged Jill all of this time. Maybe, maybe. You know, I saw her as being like a woman who hates other women. And maybe she's not. Maybe she's just misunderstood. And her mother tried to paint her in that. I don't think that she's a woman who hates other women. I think that she's a woman who is like really fucked up by her mother. I think you're probably right. About her culture and her gender. God, Jill, and I'm she so tried to sorry. Find her, and, and I commend her for like trying to find her own way away from the like Hollywood glitz. You know, like there's something to be said for that. I'm coming around on Jill is what I'm Me saying. Me too. Just I mean, by the time person. she was 30, she lived about 17 different lives. It's amazing. Right. But the center of her life is not food. The center of her life is men. Right. Well, that is obvious. But. Right. Okay. So, yeah, but go like, ahead. You know, but she's a woman who was raised firmly in the patriarchy. So what do you want? Okay. What do you want? So I don't completely trust people who don't like to eat. I think they lack a certain lust for life. But you know I'm not talking about you. Didn't you buy this book so you could try my cooking? Aww. Okay, well, first of all, we need to talk about the cover photo. Because the cover photo is Jill, like, quaffed and feathered, like, full Farrah Fawcett feather. Mm-hmm. And, like, the 80s blush and everything. Oh. In this. Right. Yeah. There's no, and this, a high fade, if you will. <laughs> and I don't know what's on the table, like, what this food is. I don't know what it is. It it doesn't look terrible. But it looks like it looks like fried chicken that somehow is dusted with powdered sugar. I'm sure it's not powdered sugar, but that's what it looks like. Anyway, Jill is in a China blue jacket (gasps) with like a pink button down underneath. Just this like um, and it's like the background color is China blue and it's covered in like beautiful pink I thought they were roses, but now I think they're peonies all over. And it is it is a jacket that was made exclusively to match these Chinese vases behind her. It's like so and every every photo is like perfectly coordinated. Like wow. 
Okay, so the first chapter is called Gifts to and from your kitchen. Ooh. All right. And the, the photo that introduces this chapter is Jill again quaffed beyond like <laughs> such feathered hair. And now it looks more and now her hair is more brown than red in this. Oh, okay. All right. This photo. All right. And she is and she's in a like plaid like a burgundy plaid lodge shirt with an a, a forest green turtleneck underneath wow and she's just she's just surrounded by jars of things like mason jars of things okay so she's really getting into the whole like colorado mountain woman like, kind of idea yeah there's like lodge-ish like ceramic steins behind her <laughs> it's very like wood paneled and very like geared to be a woman in a man's hunting lodge right come and get me is she on a bearskin rug she's not she's just she's propped up on like she's got her elbow on the table and it's just from her like you know midsection up okay she's got her hat her head perched on her hand okay so this is all like jellies and da 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 so one is the first one is creme de menthe jelly which ooh. It just sounds gross to me. I don't. What know. is that? What is it? Please delve into that. So it's just it's mint jelly. It's mint jelly. It's two cup. It doesn't sound terrible for fucking mint jelly. I just I don't want mint jelly, and I certainly don't want it served with lamb. And I don't understand this like British thing of serving. Right now, that's what mint jelly is for, right? You serve it with lamb. So, anyway, I just. Most of the, like, again, the recipes in this book aren't the nightmare. It's the, it's the photos. So I'm going to skip ahead. Um, she's got a lot of, like, flavored vinegars and shit in here. So then we come to salads. So then we come to salads with appetizers. Okay. And you're going to enjoy this. Oh, I can't wait. As an actress. Mm. I've learned that if the script doesn't grab you in the first 15 minutes, mm-hmm. it never will. Mm. To me, the salad or appetizer is equivalent to those first 15 minutes. It sets the tone for the entire dinner. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I also think that it is the most pretentious way you can potentially talk about this. <laughs> Listen, if that gefilte fish isn't delicious, I know the rest of the meal is going to be a giant disappointment. And I think that's exactly what Jill St. John is saying. Um, So then she has wilted bib lettuce or spinach salad. Oh, God. Okay. Which uh, from Scandia Restaurant in West Hollywood serves a wilted bib lettuce salad that I love. Which is just, it's a very typical wilted green salad. It's got, you know, like like bacon where the bacon goes on there uh hot oh got it and that wilts the that that wilts it it. okay yeah so that's fine but the the photo (laughs) this is the hard thing it's like i can't tell if she's actually sitting outside or if they put in a like aspen backdrop (laughs) because she's like she's like sitting on what looks like a kitchen counter surrounded by giant copper pots okay like but the background is like mountains and blue sky so do you think that is she is it do you see a window at all or is it just it looks like she's sitting outside it looks like she's sitting it looks no it looks like a fucking photo prop backdrop 
Yeah, I mean, that might be, I mean, she is from, she is of the Hollywood stock. She is. Okay, so anyway. Nama, I love this. You know, one of my favorite things to do sometimes when I'm watching TV, you know how they have that option for the blind where they have a man who's talking, who basically describes the setting and the scene and the action as it happens? No. You've never done that? No. Oh my God. It's a wonderful option that you should take advantage of. I feel like that's what's happening right now. We just hit 4,000 listens, by the way. So thank you guys so much. We are so, so grateful for you guys. Thank you. It really, oh my God. It makes my heart just like want to do the moon. Me too. (laughs) I was going to say want to do the moonwalk. But no. not in a Northam no. kind of way. No, not no, no. But we can't moonwalk and we can't talk about Cosby sweaters. And you know what? We also can't do have systemic racism or misogyny anymore. Um, so Agreed. Okay. So, uh, all right. So Jill is like sitting propped up like butt on counter. <laughs> and in front of her is a giant wooden bowl filled with the salad. Okay. And what she's doing is she's got this like little like tiny copper pot. It looks like what you make um, Turkish coffee in. Oh, you know okay. One of those little yep. ones. I know exactly what you're talking it, about. It's, it looks like it's like very she heated up the bacon fat and oil in there. Oh, and God she's, bless. And she's pouring it over the salad, but she's like she's staring full into the camera, giant dazzling smile, full makeup, full hair, and she's just like not looking down at the salad dressing. She's just pouring it, and it's it's drizzling, and so like. <laughs> How many times did they take this take this photo so that the salad dressing would actually be pouring while she was doing it? Nama, this woman is a fucking this woman is a fucking bona fide genius. I bet she only well, took one take. And God maybe, bless her. But it's not her, it's the photographer, right? And like she's grinning in this way that you can tell that behind her teeth she's yelling, Go, no, no. <laughs> did they have to have they must have had like 25 salads so she could do this i don't know man i bet they all were arrogant we're like we can do this in one take and then every time we're like fuck let's make another salad (laughs) okay so the next thing is an orange and onion salad and she says in the dead of winter it can be difficult to find a fresh and colorful salad Thanks to Florida and California, oranges are always on hand. And onions, well, we can always find them. My orange and onion salad is one of those dishes that nobody wants to try. Correct. 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 When you say, would you like some of my onion and orange salad, that makes me want to throw up in my mouth. And this is literally just slices of orange and, like, you know, where you've cut all mm -hmm. of the, you know. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. And slices of red onion, not like rings of red onion, slices of red onion. Like chunks? No, like like you've taken an entire slice so that all of the rings inside are together. You know, like the rings of a tree. Oh my God. Yeah. So like circles of each. It's just circles, circles of each. each. Okay. Circle and like layers. Circles? So like that, layer. this whole recipe sounds, I want to call it. It's a circle of heartburn. It is that it's the circle of heartburn, and it's it's like arranged like a flower. So you have like oranges, and then the onions right on top. <gasps> oh my god! It's like when you have the and tomato the and the burrata. Yes, 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 that's exactly it. <laughs> oh god, that sounds like, 
horrible. And then she dri- can I guess? Does she drizzle? Is there a there's, is, a, there's a vinaigrette of course there's a there vinaigrette is. herb drizzle mm-hmm. that goes over the whole thing oh my and God. it says that there's some finely chopped tomato in here but i can't see them it is that's how fine it is so i think so i think they're just in that whatever nobody should eat this oh my god that sounds i've honestly that sounds like the worst heartburn i've ever experienced yeah well, Jill, I can understand. But at least she's honest with people. She's like, no one the fuck wants to try it. And then they have it and it's all they can talk about. God, and then you'd be tasting it for two days later. Two days. Mm. Two days. <laughs> okay, so she has some edible flour and vegetable sushi rolls, which you're going to all of the trouble to making sushi and there's flowers and cucumbers. Wait a second. What year is this? It's 1987. I feel like that's really advanced. Like no, sushi I had didn't. Sushi. I had sushi in the eighties. I did. remember when I was in the fifth or sixth grade. My dad and I took a trip to California. He had some conference out here uh-huh. in San Francisco, and my dad and I came out first. And because I was the like more adventurous eater, he was like, "You know what we're gonna do now that we're on the coast? We're gonna try sushi." Because <gasps> we lived in Chicago at the time, and he wanted to try sushi. He'd actually tried sushi. He'd been to Japan. Wow. Before before I was born, he'd been to Japan. And I was like, and he was like, but I'm not eating raw fish away from the coasts. That's a smart man. Which was smart. smart man. Yeah. Not that, you know, we were catching this fucking shit off the coast. Of California, <laughs> like, All right. Not you're like, oh, look, look what just swam up in the sewer. No, it was like. Let's this, have this you know, delicious a, salmon. It was this psychological. I hear. I am the same way. Fuck you if you think I'm going to have it. a seafood feast in Dayton. That's not going to happen. And yet the best fried oysters I've ever had in my life were in the middle of Palm Desert. God, that's weird. I know. I mean, God, it's still California. Weird. It's only like two hours from the coast, but like still. All right. Well. Three hours. Three yeah. Hours. Yeah. Anyway. Talk to me when you want to have a sushi dinner in Kansas. Right. Yeah. So not going to happen. Spicy tomato and onion salad. Jesus fucking Christ with this woman. What? She loves a raw onion. God. Okay. And here comes one of my favorite photos. Oh, I can't wait. Please. Which goes with three rice salad, which doesn't sound terrible, except that it's just like, it's just rice filled with edible flowers. She's got a big thing about edible flowers. Three rice? Is it three different kinds of rice? Yeah, it's wild rice, brown rice, and long grain white rice. All of them cooked and cooled. And then you make a dressing out of mayonnaise, dry mustard, garlic, lemon juice. Um, And then you put in oranges, apples, orange peel, green onions, and some pecans or walnuts and a bunch of edible flowers. So that's a salad. It doesn't sound that bad. No, it sounds delicious. I don't know. I don't need salad coated with mayonnaise, but that's fine. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, need rice coated in mayonnaise. You know right. What I, mean? I hear so you. The photo, though, is like there was this thing in the 80s, I think, or maybe it was just Jill, where like she feathered out her hair, but then like the the back of the top of it, she like teased and feathered out even more so that it's real high. So wait a second. Okay. Okay. Keep so going. It's like two, so it's like two layers of Two levels of feathering. Hair. Right. She does. It's an inner feather and an outer feather. An inner feather and an outer. That's exactly right. And then she's, you know, perfectly. Her skin looks amazing. She's perfectly made up, made up. 
she, she looks stunning. She's in this purple, like, Joan Crawford silk dress or shirt. I can't tell. The kind that has, like, a like a giant amethyst brooch that buttons up the collar. Oh, yes, love. I see it so clearly. Yes. May I have one question? What? Talk to me about the shoulder pad action. What is her shoulder clearly, pad game? Clearly shoulder pad. Pleated, okay. Perfect. Pleated long sleeve shoulders. Excellent. Excellent. Um, earrings that match the brooch. And she is first... She is cradling this bowl of salad. Like, she's holding it in her arms like she would hold a baby. As if she had just given birth to it. As if she is presenting a baby to the camera. Ah, Like, when you have, like, when you have the baby and you're kind of sitting it up a little and you're like, you've got its butt in one hand and you've got it under your elbow for the other. Like, that kind of Oh, my God. You know, not Mm -hmm. the football hold. The other one. Mm -hmm. I know, the presenting. The presenting. That's right. So she's, presenting she's presenting the baby on the top of the mat. Ma- this salad. really is like the Lion King. <laughs> and she looks, she looks like minutes ago, she just finished crying. Like <gasps> minutes ago, she had a fight with husband number four. Oh, no. And he slammed the door and left. And I have to tell you that this sets the tone for the rest of the cookbook. The rest of the cookbook, you're like, where'd he go, Jill? Oh, no, Jill. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. In my mind, this was the beginning. This was when, yeah. Now, this may just be my overactive. Now, it is absolutely about. Absolutely, your overactive imagination. It is absolutely my overactive imagination. But that's what, that's what you love about me. And that's where we're going to go. And I, in my mind, believe that somehow she figured it out. Jill figured out that he was the what one happened? who pushed yeah. Natalie, that Robert pushed Natalie off. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm going to send you a picture of this. I don't know if you remember it from when we reviewed this on Facebook. but um, And for those of you listening at home who can't see the photos, if you go to my Facebook page, which is just Nama Haviv on Facebook... And I'm pretty sure I made this post public so you can see it. You search for Jill St. John. Well, we'll put it there's, on our Facebook. How about that? We'll put it on Let's. Our we, there's no reason, again, you know my big statement. There's no reason for you guys to go to a second location. We're going to make it all accessible. We'll put it on our, right, we'll on the on Gag Facebook, Reflex Facebook. But we'll put the original discussion about this cookbook rather than new stories because the comments were hysterical. Um, so you guys should all read that, but I'm, I'm sending you Jesse, just this picture. So you can see what I mean, because like, it's not just that she just looks like she just finished crying. She looks like, like she knows that she's supposed to be smiling, but is deeply sad in this photo. And it kind of breaks your heart a little. God. All right. Here it is. Let's see. Oh my God. Right. Right. Her eyes look watery almost like she know, and you know, the smile is so close to pain. Yes, it's almost a grimace. It's a beautiful grimace. It's pain. It's pain of knowing that the man you've always loved is a murderer. That's exactly right. That must be it. This is it. She's going to she's going to sue us. (laughs) 
I mean, I guess she'd have to hear this first. She would have to hear this first, which won't happen. But oh my God, Jill. Now she's trapped. This is the beginning of being trapped. I wonder if this is why she married him. I mean, she's in love, but like she's in love with a cold hearted murderer. Okay, go on. Yes, allegedly. Um, So, protecting us. Um, So, okay. So I just want you, I, I spent so much time on this photo because I'm telling you that it like, sets the tone for the rest of this everything else in this book like the portions are too big for one person and you're like who are you waiting for jill and he's never coming home oh my god it's a lot so okay next chapter is soup so there's a recipe for carrot soup with thyme where she is it's like an all orange background there's like an african wax print fabric for no good reason in the background she's wearing a truly gigantic like orangey pink shirt i mean this 80s thing of like wearing shirts that were just like seven sizes too big (laughs) massive there's orange everywhere she just like really leaned into the carrot theme and the carrot soup like sounds fine like it's no big deal it's onions butter carrots chicken stock and thyme it's the most boring carrot soup on the planet, but it's a fine carrot soup. Oh, know? my God. But she, again, just looks like she's... This one, her eyes really do look red. <sighs> and she just looks like she's crying, and I'm really... Like, I'm starting to worry about her. And, you know, these could have been taken out of order, so I actually think that this one, she looks, like, closer to crying than the last one. I don't know. Okay. So this is a recipe for clam chowder, and she's got bright yellow like ceramic fiesta wear. I don't know why this is the these are the dishes that they chose for clam chowder, but they're like bright bright yellow with green palm trees and palm leaves on them. And then she is wearing this gigantic turquoise jacket with a yellow turtleneck underneath. This was like one of her favorite looks, like turtleneck sweater. And does the turtleneck wait a second. Do, are you saying are you telling me does the turtleneck match the fiesta wear? It matches the fiesta wear and it matches the little yellow splotches of color on her jacket. Every photo in here is turtlenecks. Okay. Well, she's next- in Colorado. Colorado is the home of the turtleneck. I know. I guess I can't wear it. I also cannot wear a turtleneck. First of all, I have no neck. So it just looks like I look like a fucking egg on a wall. I look like Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> I, I have a neck. I have a neck, but I also have, I mean, you've seen them, and this is not me. Oh, God, yes. I have gigantic. You do not have a Jill St. John rack, shall we say. I do not. (laughs) Listen, these, they, you have to be able to see my collarbone. (laughs) You need, yes, exactly. Because if not, if not, I look like I I'm a parade float. You, and, right. You have to be able to see the horizon, as we say, or you'll exactly. get seasick. You I look like, two, it looks like two boobs in a bag. It's not, it doesn't work. I'm the same way. I also no, cannot wear terrible. a turtleneck. I need a V-neck. It's V-neck or nothing. I can't wear Wait, a, I mean, maybe scoop, a boat. I can wear a scoop, I can wear a scoop neck or a boat. Anything maybe that a is boat. like yes. deep enough, deep enough to show my collarbone. That's I'm right. Okay. But yeah, okay. Well, you and I would have not done well in the Victorian age of a high collar. No. No. That would have been a terrible look for the two of us. Terribly. I would have been an old maid. Well. No one would have married me. 
maybe this is why I hate the Victorian era so much. It's not like the poison. It's the knowledge that I would have been like penniless and alone. I mean, also we were Jewish. So chances are we would have never oh, even true, seen true, any true, of this. True, but yes. True. You're right. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. I, 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 I judge this with our current emancipation. Exactly. So here we go. Okay. So then, then, there's a recipe for Rocky Mountain trout. <gasps> oh, God, I thought you were going to say Rocky Mountain oysters, and I got so upset for a moment. Because that is not something I want to ever, ever try. And please, if we ever do a cookbook like that, do not assign me that. Because I can't eat testicles. I will not, cannot in a box. I will not, cannot in a fox. So in 1987, was she still married to... Robert Wagner? No, she no 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 no. She got married to Robert Wagner in 1990. Here's what I think okay. happened. I think she's very much into creating this cookbook. This is her new chapter, right? This is like right. I'm starting over. I'm done with Hollywood. I am all about this. She's like the proto Gwyneth Paltrow, right? She's right. creating right, right, a lifestyle right. for herself. And I think this is the scenario that I'm thinking. She goes to get one of her many turtlenecks. Okay. No, this is another photo with a turtleneck. Okay. Well, she goes in, finds a turtleneck, and some box in the back of the closet falls. What is this, she thinks. She dusts it off a little bit. She opens up the box, and there is a letter. Or a deposition. Or something that somehow reveals that, in fact, her love the man that she had to wade through fucking Henry Kissinger and Frank Sinatra (laughs) and her 12 like wealthy husbands to get through that this man wade through Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Well, we've all waded through Frank Sinatra in our past. Haven't we? We've all had a Frank Sinatra waiter. Yeah. I had a Frank Sinatra. We all have. She finds out that this man is a murderer. It's not an argument that she has with him. She knows it deep inside. And that is the pain that she holds behind her eyes. Okay. What's she going to do with that? I don't know. But what I'm trying to say, the reason I asked you before you went down that uh, speculation lane. The murder glory uh, hole, if you will. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) The reason I asked you is because this is the one photo where there is a man in the photo. <gasps> so it's a recipe for Rocky Mountain Trout. And okay. she never says the name of this man. I sent you a photo. Maybe you can recognize it. All right, let me see. Let he me take like, a look. So Do you think it's her attorney? I don't know. This he is Robert Wagner! It is? Yeah. Oh, this is absolutely Robert Wagner. Okay, now I have to look up Robert Wagner. Totally. Oh, yeah, that's totally Robert Wagner. Oh, my God. This is it. Okay, so ra- so here he so is. So here he is. She knows. And he doesn't know. He but has she, no idea she's found the paper. Does so she so listener, Jill is in this photo. They are like outside in Aspen, I assume. Somewhere in Colorado. Just like mountains and trees and a beautiful setting. She is a vision in purple. She's got purple she, pants. She's a different a different color purple turtleneck. And the most phenomenal 
fur-lined members-only jacket that you can imagine. It's a purple windbreaker. It's a wind. It's it's a members-only jacket. It that is. It's a vision of violet. Yeah, she is like the lilac beauty that she is. Yes, and Robert Wagner is like holding a fish head. By its like slaughtered. Oh my god! What an uncomfortable photo. But what what I want to note is like he is a hundred percent smiling and at ease in the camera, and the comparison between the two, you can see that she's got this like pinched smile again. She's incredibly uncomfortable because she's like, I'm standing next to a murderer. Okay, but then the description. Ready? Yeah. Rocky Mountain Trout. My favorite fisherman and I love to fish the rivers of Colorado. We we usually use dry flies and we almost always catch and release. However, a brook trout the size of the one he was holding was destined for my cast iron skillet. On this special Caucasian, we decided we needed to make a delicious meal. So he brought it home. We adore spending our days in the middle of the Roaring Fork or Frying Pan Rivers, parentheses, we wear waders. Oh, fuck you, Jill. the incredible beauty of the Rockies. I've also fished for yellowtail, which is great raw, in Baja, and salmon in British Columbia. Servings depend on quantity of fish. God. And it's just, and I would like you to note that this is it. The hubris of this is that this is a recipe for fish fillets pan fried in cornmeal so what is it is it like fish and chips what is this it's it's just like it's fried fish it's fried fish it's coating a fish it's coating a fish fillet in fucking cornmeal and white flour salt and pepper and frying it in can this is you don't need a fucking recipe for this no and listen this is not just me decent cook this is anyone who has ever fished. This is how they fried their fucking fish. Oh my god! Wow. Jesus Christ. It. I don't know, Nama. I'm so conflicted. This poor woman is trying to write a lifestyle cookbook, and she has just discovered that the man she's about to spend the rest of her life with is a murderer. Look at her face. I know, but then... She is nervous! She can't even look at the fish because she's, like, her thought is... I can see it on her face. She's like, that fish was then. I am next. But... I am next. I I have a theory for you. Ooh, let's hear it. And that that pained expression is not because she knows Robert Wagner is a murderer. It's because she smells fish? No, it's because... He's about to leave. Oh. Because the rest of the book is like her lonely and trying to win someone back. Like that's the expression on her. Do you think right before this photo was taken, maybe she confronted him and he said, we'll talk about it later. We won't talk about it later, Robert. I found this. What is this? We can't. Jill, Jill, are you ready? We've got the fish ready. All right, but we're talking about this later. You can have me or you can have the truth. Oh, my God. Just take the photo and then we'll talk about it later. (laughs) I just, where are you going? Where are you going? I can't talk about this now. But we're in the middle of the photo shoot. 
I got to take a shower. I've been holding a trout for the past two and a half hours. <laughs> we will talk about this later. Robert, don't leave. You can't leave me. And then the and, next. And then he does. Okay. And then he does. Because the next photo of her is also for fish and chips. Which, like, you just fucking made it. Now there's just potatoes. <laughs> but, I mean, it's different. The other one was pan fried. This is deep fried. That's different. I you need to give her a break right now because she is carbo loading through the pain. Go on. So there, she is, like, leaning up against, what are those, what are those called? The, like, two-level buffets. Like a giant-ass cabinet. Like, really ornately carved wood cabinet thing. Uh-huh. The fish is presented in a basket with Wait. like weight yes way too much there's like a blue like a light blue and white like checkered cloth in the basket and there's like a pile of fried fish in there and a pile <laughs> that must of, smell like, amazing <laughs> yeah, probably and a pile of steak fries okay there's some fish shape there's like then there's that same blue and white checkered cloth is on the the bar side of this cabinet mm-hmm. there's like a banquet it's a banquet uh-huh. right and so the basket is on top of that cloth as well and then there's two fish-shaped silver salt and pepper shakers jill is leaning against the banquet with like her head nestled against it her hair again somehow perfectly matches the wood grain she's wearing this long silk shirt dress that is the same color but not the same pattern as the cloth and this okay. like long, this necklace that looks like she stole it off of a blue crystal chandelier uh-huh. very possible and she's just staring into the camera serenely sad dead eyes no sad eyes lonely eyes he just left her what is she gonna do she found out the she truth about this man And he left her. She looks sad, but I have to say, the more I look at her, also resolved. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. She has been through so much. She is not even 50, okay? She's been through three other marriages. This one man probably knew exactly the pain she went through with her mother, with her family, with Frank Sinatra. He got her. In a way that no one else, certainly not Hollywood, ever did. Exactly. What is she going to do? I don't know. And she knew Natalie Wood. They went to they went to ballet school together. She could have been friends with her. For all we know. It, that could have been her. It, it could have easily been her. She could have been murdered. Anyway. And what about Christopher Walken? The- he was on that fucking boat. Listen. Don't start with Christopher Walken. So, all right. Now we are on to poultry. The next recipe is called peachy chicken. Ooh. Colorado grows great cherries, apricots, and peaches. A lot of my friends in Aspen buy them in bulk and dry or preserve them. I bought a lot of peaches one day only to discover I had lost my enthusiasm for canning. This is what people call white people problems. These photos are truly spectacular. And, like, she is the anti-Marie Kondo in that she has so much fucking stuff in every single one of these photos. This table is, like, laden with tchotchke. Okay. There's the plate There's the plate of peachy chicken, which is on this, like, flowered platter. 
There is matching flowered dinnerware all laid out, like dinner plate, charger, all like full silverware, blue napkins and napkin rings. Wow. There's a candelabra with three like royal blue lit candles. There's a royal blue vase. There are two other candlesticks that have nothing in them. There's peaches on the table. God damn. Um, I mean, just so much shit. There are two place settings laid out, by the way. <gasps> he was going to join her. In the rest of these photos, there's always at least one more place setting. Right. And she's just like clearly waiting for someone to come. Ugh. And she is wearing a, again, I don't know what it is about the 80s, but a truly gigantic sweatshirt. <sighs> a ro- I think it's Robert Wagner's sweatshirt is my hypothesis. Oh, God. That has its own collar. It's a yellow sweatshirt that says Rocky Mountains on it. And underneath it, she's wearing a collared red shirt so that the collar sticks out above the sweatshirt collar and the cuffs stick out. And she's holding a peach, like presenting you a peach. It's just bananas. It's not bananas, it's peaches! Okay, here we go. Ham steaks with rum raisin sauce and papillot. What is papillot? Papillot is where you like wrap something in parchment (gasps) and then put it in the oven so it kind of steams Uh and roasts inside the parchment Mm -hmm. and then you give it to everyone inside the parchment and they open it up and it lets out this like cloud of steam and then you've got this whatever inside. Right. Okay. Except that what's inside of these lovely parchment packages are ham steaks covered in rum raisin sauce. Really Jill at her best Joan Crawford. She is Mm. wearing this like burgund like wine red silk dress high collar buttoned buttoned cuffs you know like tight around the wrist yep hair feathered <laughs> to the sky oh my god the higher the feathering the closer to god yes these this like very dramatic vase filled with lilies next to her a tapered green are you sure they're lilies and not orchids as she was known to have cultivated uh they look like all right then um this like tapered forest green candle next to her lit obviously um that as serving for one laid out in front of her it's actually not laid out in front of her she's to the side and whoever's coming has yet to come and also does not have a chair. He's not coming. Looks like- Jill, he's, he's not, not coming. coming. He's not coming, Jill. So the meat itself looks as you would expect a ham steak covered in rum raisin sauce to look. Vomitatious. Vomitatious. Oh, my God. She is like sitting next to it, but not in front of this serving. You know uh. what I mean? So like the next seat over and she doesn't have a serving in front of her, and she's just leaning on the table. No, because she's not going to eat elbow. that shit. That does not belong elbow. in her lifestyle cookbook. Elbow, elbow on the table, head resting on her hand. Oh no! And staring into the camera in what can only be described as Jill's most sultry pose. So it's not resignation. It's sexy it's ham not. pose. It's sexy rum raisin ham pose, and she is. <laughs> into it she is into it she is gonna watch you eat this oh my god 
delicious thing that you, she made you. And after you are filled with rum and ham steak. She's going to make sweet Bond girl love to you. Exactly. <laughs> Nightmare. The last thing I want to do after I eat a sweet, a sickly sweet rum raisin ham steak is have sex. The bloat alone from the sodium. Yeah, but she is into it. You think she she fucking cares? She's insatiable. Insatiable. (laughs) So this recipe is you basically cook some ham steaks in butter. And then you you make like a pan sauce with raisins and raisins that you've soaked in rum or port for three to four hours. Uh The rum itself and sour cream. And sour cream? Yes. Well, thank God, because part of me was like, oh, God, are they going to ask me to melt some Baskin Robbins raisin ice cream and and pour it on top? But basically, that's what this is. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you put all of that into like you put like a ham steak and some of the sauce into a little parchment packet and you bake it for 10 minutes. And here's the fascinating thing to me is like that kind of recipe, a a recipe that calls for like a parchment or a foil packet. Mm -hmm. What you're supposed to be doing is cooking cooking the food inside that packet. So you do it a lot with, like, fish. Well, right, right? with Where herbs, right? It's it, like an herb. Right. Herbs and lemon, and you steam it inside that packet, and it comes out all moist and perfect. Right. Right? But this is, like, already, like, you've just cooked, the ham's already cooked, and then you're browning it in the skillet, so that's done, and the raisin sauce is cooked. Like, what are you cooking in this fucking packet? It's just for the, it's just... The facade of it all. It's so... This to me screams Gwyneth Paltrow because it's all about the look or the action they're in. It's all about the idea of the parchment paper, right? Because the reality is that it makes no sense whatsoever. But you are selling a lifestyle of here I am putting something in parchment paper. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I don't even know what a ham steak is. It's a slice of fucking ham. God damn. And poor Jill St. John so far away from her Ashkenazic roots that now here she is in a goddamn turtleneck in the middle of Colorado making ham. Yeah, gleefully. And then the next one is barbecued pork loin with grilled onions and oranges. And she is in a... Oh my God, you need to stop with the onions. Stop trying to make onions and oranges happen, Jill. It's not gonna happen. It's not... Okay, so I'm gonna skip ahead to the pasta chapter. Because in this chapter, there is a recipe for pasta primavera. Which, uh, I'm a little annoyed that there's a recipe for pasta primavera, which is basically, like, pasta primavera is you take pasta, you throw in any, like, fresh seasonal vegetables, as long as it includes tomatoes that you can have, and, like, olive oil and garlic. Like, that's, that's, that's the idea behind, like, it's fresh. Right. It's like a fresh sauce. Right, right, right. And Jill is back behind all of this, not touching any of the food. (laughs) Wearing what can only be described as a Freddy Krueger shirt. Oh, nice! Yeah. Are you, is it red? Is it red and black striped? It's a button down, it's a button down red and dark green striped (laughs) shirt. And where the buttons are, the like, the stripes are angled. So it's like kicking. Yeah, I got you. And then, 
And then there's this insanely high collar that's buttoned all the way up, and the collar is yet like gold and navy blue stripes. Why does she have so many oh high God. neck is items? She like, do you remember that ghost story of the like girl with the with the ribbon around her neck? No. So there's Do this tell. story from when we were little that like there was a girl that oh, who always wore a ribbon around her neck and she would never take it off, never take it off, never take it off. And then uh, I don't remember what the circumstances. She like finally got married or something like that. And her husband was like, you have to tell me the secret of this. And she took it off ribbon, and her neck fell off and her, or her head fell off. Her, what? And her head fell what? off. What? It really was? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well. It's not a... Oh, here's rigatoni with vodka sauce, just like you called it. <gasps> this is what... Now, rigatoni with vodka sauce, that, she said, was Robert's favorite dish. So this must well, have been incredibly that. emotional for her to make. Oh, well, this is like one of the only recipes that she doesn't write a little intro for. <gasps> this, this part of the cookbook, she's like, nope, I don't love this guy anymore. He is out of my life. Wow, this is it. Hence the sultry poses. Okay, yeah, because see. Jill is now open for business. Okay, so now we're in a pizza chapter. There's an entire chapter of pizza. And you know, just like the advertising cookbooks, when you make an entire chapter or an entire book about something, right. there are some recipes that are going to go wrong. And in, this chapter, <laughs> and in this chapter, it's something called Mexican pizza. Huh. And Jill is wearing a nut. She's like, is she wearing a sombrero? No. Well, thank God for that. She's like in her kitchen, I assume, with like giant copper pots everywhere. And she is next to her oven, her like giant Viking range. Um, and the range has red dials. Of course it does. This is important because she's wearing a red sweater and red lipstick to match. To highlight it. Good for her. Well done, madam. Sweatshirt. God. Um, God, the eighties were such a fucking weird time, fashion speaking. Yes, it's a, it is also a gigantic sweatshirt. Like for someone who clearly doesn't eat and clearly doesn't like is concerned about her figure. Why? Like, she she wears nothing that like highlights it at all. At all. At all. So she's like presenting the pizza to you in a fucking sweatshirt. Yeah. God, that's she's so weird. Knees, she's on her knees next to the open oven door, and she's, like, presenting the pizza to you. She's probably and like, I want to stick my head in here because I, I miss she, Robert and I'm done with this life. And she does. She looks pained again. Oh, and the, oh my God, the, Jill, what's happening in your life right now? The pizza itself is exactly as you would imagine. Instead, it's got regular pizza sauce, but made with cilantro instead of whatever it's normally made. Ew! With. And it's got Monterey Jack cheese instead of uh, mozzarella, as if Monterey Jack is Mexican. This feels like a 1980s dish. I feel like the, the uh, yeah, it's got like a confetti of yellow and red that, bell peppers on that it. That decade fucks some shit up. Now, wait. Okay. Jewish pizza <gasps> a la Spago. What? Yes. What? And this photo, 
she looks like she is at her most pinchy face. She's like, take this fucking photo. I cannot believe that I'm stooping to this level. I have a non-Jewish nose. Why would you make me put this in here? I have traveled so far beyond this. And now you're just bringing me the fuck back. And her description makes clear why. She's doing it because of Wolfgang Puck's popularity. Right. So, created by famed chef Wolfgang Puck, Jewish pizza is a specialty of his renowned Spago restaurant in Los Angeles. This pizza is so quote-unquote in, it's not even on the menu. Oh, God. I really don't know. Here we go. It's the animal style of Spago. (laughs) Wait. Now, you should know that this pizza is essentially like baked herbed pizza dough with cream cheese on top of, of that. Course, and lox and lox. Of course, and lox. Yeah. And beluga caviar on top oh, of that. Jesus. And then she says, I really don't know what makes it. No, good. she did not say that. Yes, she does. She does. I just know that I love it. My contribution is adding chopped chives to the cream cheese. I also shape the sandwich. This like bitch like is both petals. trying to deny her heritage. Yeah. And trying to capitalize on it at the same time. I I don't understand. What the fuck are you doing? First of all, then, you straight up are marrying a murder with the la- murderer with the last name yeah. Bogner. So let's Bogner. start with that. Jill, St. John, fucking Jillian Oppenheim. We know who you are. We know where you came from. Meanwhile, she is making this Jewish pizza and she doesn't know why it's Jewish. That's a lie. Of course she knows what makes it Jewish. Of course. But she's doing it while wearing literally the waspiest sweatshirt you could ever imagine. It is like the sweatshirt that like Karen from Minnesota who loves to craft and scrapbook on the weekend. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. First of all, no Jew would be caught dead in a fucking sweatshirt. And you know why? We all run hot. We all run hot and we all have giant breasts. Giant breasts. So we would giant. both look terrible and feel nauseous the whole time. Yes. And this is this is also a collared sweatshirt, which I take what? exception to. Wait. Yes. So she put so like a izod and then a sweatshirt on top of it or No, no, no. The sweatshirt has its own collar. That's a thing? That's a it was an 80s thing. Anyway. Oh, my God. Now I'm angry. God, Jill, you had me. You had me in the palm of your hand. Somehow you were sleeping with the enemy, and I was there with you. I was there with you. I was there with you when your mother destroyed the core of you. I understood you were a comedian at heart. You were an intelligent woman, and you were ravaged by Hollywood. She took away your heritage and gave you a button nose and a fucking martini gin-soaked last name. And now you are spitting on us. You are spitting on your people. Fucking telling us you don't know. You don't know what makes this Jewish pizza. Well, I have something to say to you, Jillian Oppenheim. We know. And we know that you know. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> this was me with Weight Watchers chopped chopped liver. Do you remember? Oh, I remember. I remember. You're having the same reaction. This is how I felt. I want you to hold this feeling in your heart 
and understand how I felt at that moment. That is how I feel right now. The only thing that could make this possibly more Jewish is if you had a Jewish mother next to you (laughs) reciting some sort of Seinfeld joke and a rabbi performing a fucking bris on top of the pizza. (laughs) God fucking damn it, Jillian Oppenheim. You know. You know! I just want to make sure that there's nothing before... There isn't anything else before we get to my favorite chapter, the eating in bed (gasps) chapter. There's an entire chapter devoted to eating in bed? What does that even mean? One of the nicest things you can do for yourself, your family, and your friends is to make a big production out of Saturday or Sunday breakfast. Most of us spend the weekdays in a rush, grabbing a cup of coffee and a piece of toast before tearing out the door, but weekends give us a chance to unwind to enjoy the mornings over a leisurely, special meal. Weekend brunches can also be an inexpensive way to entertain before going on to a sporting or other special event. We have a like Aspen. Like horse riding, like horse riding, or some, or (laughs) hunting. I can't even imagine what are... (laughs) Or going, or going boating and then murdering your wife. Or going boating and murdering your wife. Two very we, popular sports in Hollywood. <laughs> we, we have a hunt in Africa. Oh my god, I was right! And the hunt breakfasts are a big event. Tables groaning with food are attacked by hungry horsemen and women. I cannot believe this bitch is really, really trying to pass as non-Jewish. Oh, so badly. But wait, 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 because it gets even better. My breakfast brunch suggestions are not quite so excessive. I like to concentrate on an egg dish like huevos rancheros con salsa. Oh, go fuck yourself. I know. And warm tortillas, baked apple pancake, or homemade Swiss muesli and French toast with brandied lemon butter. Not so extravagant at all. Yeah, that's just something you whip up. Fresh orange or grapefruit juice and pots of hot coffee and herb tea complete the table. You can entertain a lot of people for about two or three dollars per person. What? In what world? Wait, but besides a breakfast party, what could be nicer than crawling back into bed with two breakfast trays filled with my Parsi scrambled eggs, a glorious Indian concoction, hot cinnamon vanilla coffee, the papers, and the one you love? Oh, my God. With the stench of blood on him. Okay. So what follows are a series of photos of, like, food and Jill with food arranged in bed. Alone. All of them. Alone. Yes. <gasps> oh, my so God. So the first is for homemade Swiss muesli. And this one is really fairly chaste. Everything is white. She's on a white lace comforter with white lace, like, European shams. <laughs> With white, little white flowers that look like they might be lily of the valley. A silver tray covered in, like, white, 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 white. She's wearing a fluffy white bathrobe. And she's in re- in 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 bed waiting for you to enjoy this homemade Swiss muesli with her. Because this is the wholesome one. God, this is truly fucking weird. And then we get to my favorite recipe and my favorite photo of all time (laughs) of all time which is the recipe for cranberry butter and the cranberry butter fuck the cranberry butter it doesn't matter 
What does matter is that Jill, looking her most sultry, oh God, hair done. What's she wearing? Face, face done. Wearing a baby pink negligee. Oh my God! And laid out on her bed, arms like arm out on the extra pillow, like she is just waiting for you to join. Oh my her. God! Oh my God! And just with like a plate, a plate of like. I assume, like, tiny pancakes with cranberry butter. <laughs> like, you can't even really see the cranberry butter. This picture has nothing to do with anything except for, like, Jill is in pink and is waiting for you. Who the fuck wants to eat pancakes? In, I mean, I, that seems so messy. And the thought of syrup everywhere that sends my... Syrup everywhere is... Syrup everywhere is exactly what Jill is counting. <laughs> She has some plans for that cranberry butter, and it is not the pancakes. It's not on the pancakes. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Well, maybe during this, this is the point where she was like, I am a hot woman. I can get any man. Let's do it. And at this point, she had already said goodbye to Robert in her mind. I think This so. is Jill getting on with her life. She doesn't need that murderer. She does not. She doesn't want to be next. It could have been her, but she escaped and she is celebrating life. Now let's have some pancakes in bed and let me spread some syrup and fucking cranberry butter all the fuck over you, honey. Exactly. Exactly. It is. Robert is not getting his hands on that cranberry. Now I'm weirdly imagining Henry Kissinger in bed with her filled (laughs) with cranberry (laughs) butter. Listen, that is a man who leaned into his Jewish roots. He is lactose intolerant. He cannot handle that butter. Oh, my God. Well, opposites attract. There you go. Okay, so then we're on to desserts. And I think that you're right about her being over Robert by now because she has a cinnamon coffee ice cream, which, like, fine, sounds fine. Like, except I hate coffee. So It sounds delicious to me. So next in the dessert chapter is... Get close to the mic. Probably... Sorry. Next in the dessert chapter is probably my favorite dessert recipe of hers because the title is New Orleans Bananas. <laughs> You're New Orleans Bananas. <laughs> You're New Orleans Bananas. And this is just, like, there's nothing bad about the recipe. It's just like Bananas Foster, essentially. Right. Which, you, know, you know I don't like a I know banana, you don't. so I don't want it. But Jill is wearing what can only be described as a circus tent, a silk circus <laughs> <laughs> It's her New Orleans, it's her Mardi Gras outfit. And she looks so pinchy faced and so like exasperated by this point. Like she's barely smiling. She's grimacing. And her shirt is like a black silk shirt, like giant shirt, buttoned buttoned all the way up to its white collar. Oh and there God. are vertical stripes. Oh. Red and orange and blue and green vertical Very stripes. Very slimming. And then it's got one of those. <laughs> and then it's got one of those, what's it called? Pussy bows? Like a black <laughs> pussy bow. Yes, I know tied in the front and it's just it's just a spectacular outfit. this sounds like her working girl outfit she's letting the river run yeah she's a woman on her yeah. own she's over it this is it this is her claim to freedom okay so finally there is the most hubris filled of all of the hubris filled recipes that i've ever seen in my life wow 
in my life. I cannot believe there's a recipe for this. There's no photo attached, which is good. <laughs> okay. It is a recipe. It is a recipe for something called canerino. Canerino. Is this Italian? You said it with an Italian accent. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. It was winter. So just let me get through this whole Please. Thing. It was wintertime in Venice, Italy, when I first encountered canerino. It is wintertime in Venice, Italy, as I write these words. Oh, my God. It is cold, 35 degrees. It rained yesterday, and the Piazza San Marco is partially flooded by the high. Okay, so let me, so stop for a second. This sounds like a postscript. She's done with Robert. She's done with the book. Right. She just needs to, she just needs to, what? She's taking the romantic vacation that she had planned for. That's right. She bought two tickets. She's only using, she she bought two tickets. She's she's only only using using the one. one. Go on. The magical quality of this canal city seems heightened by the cold. I have ordered a canerino to warm and soothe me. It has no caffeine. Oh. And no calories. Oh. Serves one. Are you ready for the recipe for this magical elixir? Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, if this is soothing her weary soul... Please. The recipe is one lemon and one cup of water. And? That is it. You wait. Using a sharp wait. paring knife. Wait. <laughs> who the it's fuck? Tea. Who the fuck? It's lemon tea. It's not lemon tea. It's, it's water. It's lemon water. It's hot lemon water. She has a recipe. Let us all let us all acknowledge what the actual fuck is happening in this universe. It's not she doesn't even use the lemon juice. She you peel you peel the lemon, trying to keep the peel in one piece, like the zest of the lemon. Uh-huh. And then you place that peel in an individual cup or preheated teapot. Bring the water to a boil, pour, pour over the peel and allow to steep for about five. It's minutes. a hot water and lemon rind. Yes. This bitch had the <laughs> fucking chutzpah yes. to devote an entire recipe to hot water. That is correct. Damn, Jill. Hot lemon water. Damn, Jill. Hot lemon water. You know, maybe she was like, well, fuck every last one of you. <laughs> this motherfucker is going to throw me off a boat one day sooner or later. So you know what? Here y'all go, assholes. You think that life is a farce? I'm going to show you a farce. Here's a recipe for hot water. If I'm going to drown, it's going to be in this lemon-scented Italian water. (laughs) If I'm going to drown, let it happen in a teacup. (laughs) Wow. So that's Jill. That's Jill and her cookbook. Damn, Jill. Damn. Yep. Nama, what the fuck are we making? And neither of oh us are God, making neither of us are making the water, by the way. But <laughs> No, I actually think that both of us have to make All right, the water. as a <laughs> It's her frisky sour. As a beverage. No, because like uh, honestly, I don't know that this book warrants a taste test. Like this book was not about the recipes. The recipes other than that, I mean honestly, the rum raisin ham steak, which neither one of us wants to make or eat. 
I kind of do. But it sounds like, you well, do. it sounds like it'd be expensive. It's an expensive thing. And I don't want right, to do that. Like, none, but, like, none of these, none of the recipes are too horrible. That's true. Right? Like, the recipes are, like, late 80s. Yeah. Lifestyle food, they're not bad. The, the This cookbook isn't so much a taste test cookbook, I gotta say. Well, listener, maybe this one is so a maybe, one and done. Maybe we just, l- listen, when we do our next thing, let's just, whatever we record next, let's just have a little canerillo. <laughs> Mine is going to have vodka in it. I like that. Can mine have gin in honor? Yeah. <laughs> in honor of in honor of, of, of Jill's of the the loss of Jill's heritage. I mean, I I won't lie. I sort of want to make Jewish pizza, but it also sounds expensive. It sounds delicious. It sounds fucking delicious. But I'll shit through a but screen like, door. I mean, listen, it is. It does sound delicious <laughs> and amazing, but I don't think it would suit either of us because it is both expensive and I would have to eat 27 lactate pills to enjoy it at all. But you know what? I guess two years later, they had a gentleman's. Yeah, she went back to they him. had a gentleman's agreement. She went back to him. She did. Oh, just. And that is a choice she is going to have to live with. Well, I'm sure she thinks about that every or time she not. sips her canarino. <laughs> I'm sure she thinks about this choice that she's trying to live with every time she gets on a boat. Yeah, she probably doesn't boat very much, I would imagine. <laughs> no. Fool me once. Shame on you. Shame on you. Throw me off <laughs> throw me off the side of your yacht twice. Shame on me. <laughs> and with that. We are done, listener. Uh, Jill St. John, patron saint of vintage cookbooks. God bless you. I love you so, Jill. I hope you know if you ever hear this that this is all in good fun. And we actually very much hope that you are okay. But if you're um, not, yeah. I do I do genuinely resent your hatred of your people. I do too. But I do want to make sure you're all right. So if you're, I do, I do if you're okay... Please send us an Instagram of one lemon peel in a cup, hot (laughs) cup of water. If you're not okay, please make it two lemon peels in a cup of water and we will send someone out immediately. Well, no. Well, no. Well, no. Oh, God. God bless. And l'chaim to you. L'chaim all. I love you, Nama. We love you, listener. Love you, mean it. Love you, mean it. Bye. Bye.